You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. This morning as we sat around the Lord's table, we were reminded, uh, I'm sure, of the death of Jesus Christ and how did he ask his disciples to regularly meet uh, on occasions when they were together and they were to reenact what had happened on that first evening when they shared the Lord's Supper together. Jesus then went to the cross. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. As we read, he gathered his disciples together. He returned to heaven. And he had accomplished what he was sent to do. But also, there was another side to his coming. And that was that as he died on the cross, and as people responded to his love and grace, then a responsibility lay upon his people to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that commission that he gave to the early disciples was so important that it wasn't just recorded in one of the gospels, but it's recorded in each of the four Gospels, as well as the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And on other occasions, he made other uh, statements that required us to take note. For example, as the Father has sent me, so now send I you. And Jesus did not arrive, as we're well aware, on earth by accident, but he was sent by God personally aware of the purpose for which he was to come as stated at the time of his birth, where, remember, it was said of him that he will save his people from their sins. So, as Jesus Christ came into the world, sent by God to save, the mandate was given to the disciples and to you and me to share the good news with others. I want us to look this evening for a few moments at just exactly what that mandate means to each and every one of us. The story is told about a, a young man called William Carey. He was a very zealous young fellow who had responded to the gospel. And he was aware that in the community in which he lived, there were a number of ministers. And occasionally they met together and discussed together areas of mutual interest. And he asked his own minister, would it be possible to come and to address these ministers? I think somewhat half-heartedly, his minister said, well, come along. And at the minister's meeting, he appeared to be very excited because he was concerned about the spread of the gospel. And he argued that the spread of the gospel was not just restricted to those who had been ordained, but to all believers. And that he believed that God was calling him to leave the area in which he was living and go to a distant land. And when he said what he had to say, his own pastor, the very man who had baptized him, said this, Young man, sit down and be still. When God wants to convert the heathen, he will do so without consulting you or me. And this temporary defeat only served to fuel the enthusiasm of William Carey and his passion to go to the mission field. 
and in so doing he founded the Christian church in India. In the church in which I grew up, I've maybe told this story before, there was an influx of people into the area and new buildings were needed in order to serve as an outreach to the community. And like all churches, it was discussed in session and committee. And there was an old elder who was not noted for his generosity or his willingness to take part in very much. And in the middle of the meeting, it was reported outside, and I suppose it shouldn't have been reported, but it was, as sometimes these things do. And it was reported that he said that if the Wains were kept at home with their mass, there would be no need for this expenditure and these access buildings. Both those who commented to William Carey and this particular man who took this particular view, quite frankly, were not very much enthusiastic to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ and the mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The mandate to go and the knowledge that we are sent comes with the authority of Jesus Christ. It was Keith Green who I'm sure some of you have heard of and one of his most famous hymns was the hymn There is a Redeemer. And unfortunately Keith Green was killed in his late 20s in an air crash and he had an absolute passion for mission. And commenting on the church's commission to go, he focused on the reason why the church's great commission should be obeyed. And he said the following things. He said it should be obeyed because Jesus has told us to go. It should be obeyed because the need is so great. It should be obeyed because some areas in the world are drenched with the gospel, while many other culture, cult, countries and cultures have never heard it. And he claimed that no one had the right to hear the gospel twice, while there remained some people who had never heard it once. And he suggested that because of the shortage of time, more and more countries were closing their doors to missionaries and to the gospel. And we only need to listen to the news today or any day and we see how that places like Syria and Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan and no doubt to an extent Russia as well have and are continuing to close the doors to the gospel. And as we consider this mandate that was given it was not determined by some individual Christian. It was not some particular church or denomination. But this mandate was given by the Lord Jesus himself, the king and head of the church. And he and he alone was the instigator and inspiration to the disciples to be involved in this particular mandate to go. So, first of all, there was the mandate. Secondly, there was the message. What is the message of the church? Well, surely the message of the church is what we focused on this morning. It's the message of the cross and the message of the Christian gospel. And today, as I'm sure we're all aware, the cross and the gospel is a constant challenge to the secular society in which you and I live with its own value, value systems. It is a challenge to the world with its ideologies, its emphasis, its presuppositions and its priorities. It is a challenge to the prevailing culture 
that takes the view that I can live as I like, I can do my own thing, I can cultivate my own beliefs, I can claim my own rights, and there are no absolutes, there is no such thing as ultimate truth and authority, and personal freedoms ought to usurp any personal or corporate responsibility. And surely the message of the gospel is summed up in the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, I am crucified with Christ, and not I, but Christ lives within me. And where there is a clash today between two worldviews, the message of the cross creates an atmosphere where maybe you remember what Jesus said, if it be possible, take this cup from me. That sometimes we feel a bit overwhelmed as Christians and we think, well, we're on the sinking ship and there's nothing we can do about it. But what did Jesus say? If it be possible, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. But what is God's will for you and for me? It's surely to take the message of the gospel to where we are every day of our lives. And of course, what is the message? The message enables me at the end of the day to become a child of God, to receive pardon and peace and the promise of eternal life. It's the only message that answers the great questions of life. Where am I here? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? What is my purpose in life? And when I become a child of God, then I'm aware of the fact that nothing is able to separate me from his love. And this is the message of the mandate, a message and a conviction that gripped many people who gave their life's work in order to be involved in the service of God through reaching others. And it was this message, surely, that created a situation where the, uh, Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. It was this message that created the situation where Paul cried, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Or John Knox to pray, Give me Scotland or I die. Or Henry Martin to land in India and say, let me burn out here for God. Or George Whitfield to cross the Atlantic 13 times in a small boat to preach the gospel to the American people. Or the aristocratic lady, Dothenthorpe, to go into the forbidden precincts of Hong Kong's world walled cities and bring the healing of the gospel to opium addicts and prostitutes. Or to Jim Elliot and his friends who stained the waters of Ecuador and the rivers of Ecuador with their own blood in an attempt to uh, reach the Aka Indians. And all these people, what were they gripped with? They were gripped with their tremendous conviction that Jesus Christ, without him, people are lost in a deep and an eternal way. And this is the message that needs to be, as it were, promoted in the public square today. And as someone once said, it seems this message that it's infused at the moment with tired blood. As Christians, we are salt and light, bringing the message in the midst of corruption and darkness. And as I've often used the quote, if meat is rotten, there's no point in blaming the meat. If a house is in darkness, there's no point in blaming the house. But if a society is corrupt and dark, 
the question surely is where is the Christian and where is the message there's a mandate to go there's a message to give and thirdly there is a method to employ Jesus Christ gave his disciples a blueprint to follow and the early church employed this practice and kept to it and the blueprint was that they were to start where they were and that message that he gave to the to the New Testament people the people of his day was no different in many respects to the message that had been received by countless generations of people that are recorded in the book of the Old Testament the books of the Old Testament take for example Joseph Joseph employed his knowledge of God in the situation that he found himself in in Egypt Daniel stood up for God in the midst of all sorts of situations that he faced in the Babylonian Empire Nehemiah and Esther and other people of the Old Testament served as high-ranking officials with pagan imperial governments and in each case there was a pattern God placed them there to be his people in order that they would transmit God's message in those contexts and likewise when it came to the day of Pentecost God placed the disciples in the streets of Jerusalem not simply by accident on that day but they were there when the Holy Spirit came and unleashed his power and they were used as instruments in the hands of God on that never to be repeated day to explain to the people of Jerusalem and those who had gathered what the gospel was all about as already said we're told to live our faith you and me in the context of where we are in respect of our personal relationships with people, in respect of our family relationships, in respect of our social relationships, in the workplace, whether it be the factory or the farm, the educational establishment or the commercial square, and we're called, as it were, to work for God and be employed for him in those areas. And as Christians, we are called to be visual aids, as it were, displaying the glory of God as his representatives and of course also as you read the New Testament you discover that there were certain other things happened as well in the uh, employment of the method of reaching people and that was for example take Saul and Barnabas who were missionaries and they were sent out from the church in Antioch and they went and the church in Antioch supported them financially prayed enthusiastically for them encouraged them regularly because not everybody was able to go as Paul and Barnabas were but those who couldn't go and who stayed at home were engaged in and work at home on their behalf and if you were to translate that into the situation here within the church God does not call every one of us to go into distant lands but he does call us to support and encourage and help those whom we know who have gone to just different places in our name people who maybe have gone from this particular area and they're witnessing in some part of the world maybe the other end of the earth people that I know nothing about people that maybe some of you know nothing about but there are others of you do know that there are people who the Lord lays upon our hearts and we'll come to that in a moment within our own Presbyterian denomination 
through the little points of prayer that sometimes come out to us. We can support people financially through the United Appeal that we're asked to subscribe to each year. And we can support our missionaries through prayer and encouragement. And we can even ourselves contribute sometimes on a short, short-term term basis. I, I know from the past there have been people who have gone here out in work teams and various uh, evangelistic outreaches uh, within our own community, uh, as youth in youth teams, or maybe not only in our own community, but have gone elsewhere. And as Christians, as we said earlier, we're called to display the glory of God in the world around us. And of course, when we, how do we display the glory of God? We display it by living according to God's word. But yet, there are some people, and sometimes, what do they say? Maybe some of you have said this. You know, it's all very well getting up and saying, you know, we're to be witnesses and we're to do this, that, and the other. But I don't have the expertise or the education or the ability to be an effective witness. In a non-Christian context, a 21-year-old youth working in the back door of a warehouse was judged by his employers to be unfit to meet the public. And for those of you who are a bit older, you'll know who I mean when I tell you that his name was F.W. Woolworth. Or Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper company because they had no good ideas. Or in the Christian context, the apostles in the early days were a motley crew at times of dysfunctional individuals. But yet when empowered by the Holy Spirit, what did they do? They turned the world upside down. And I wonder, are we motivated? I've deliberately left a minute or two at the end of what I want to say to, to tell maybe of a, a little personal experience. A number of years ago, and I'm telling this experience just to say that sometimes things happen across our path and we can get sucked into something which in itself is probably, we can interpret it as God-ordained. But I remember some time in the past, about five or six years ago, I was in a position where I went one, uh, one day up the Lisbon Road in Belfast and went to the International Meeting Point, which is an outreach of the Presbyterian Church to asylum seekers and refugees. And I'm sure some of you know a little bit about that, but uh, people who came into our, come into our country, many of them come as a result of having to leave their own country, not because they want to come for economic reasons. There are those who do that, of course. But there are many come because they have had to leave their own country. And you only need to listen to the news at the present time, and you'll discover that if you were a Christian, and you were living in Iran, it's virtually impossible, certainly to witness. In fact, it is impossible to witness for Jesus, to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you'd be taken. At best, you would be imprisoned, or at worst, you would be assassinated. And I know a number of Christians who have had to escape from Iran and come across here and through the avenue of the International Meeting Point, I've met them. Uh, I know one young guy in particular, very friendly with him, and he, he was married, and my, my son was the best man at the wedding. But uh, 
he came because he was totally disenchanted with, with Islam. Because he went to learn English at the historical sites in his town, he was taken and he was beaten. Because the historical sites in his town were the tombs of Darius and Artaxerxes, and people that you read about in the Bible, and those who were watching him felt that he was showing an unhealthy interest in pre-Islamic uh, activity, as would have been the case, uh, because these people's names are in the Bible. And he came, he was converted, he went to a house church, and immediately he went to the house church. The first night he was there, the place was raided and he had to escape, and he came across here in the back of three lorries. We got to know him very well in our house. But he had a friend. And, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say he had a friend in, in Iran, but when he, he came over here, he, he met up with another Iranian who, who we know very well. Uh, and this guy has, has got a good job now. We'll say a good job. He's a, he's a lorry driver and, and works uh, for one of the companies where he drives. It's not Tesco's, but it's that type of a, a company. And he... He uh, drives during the night and goes to, drops off food here, there, and yonder. He's been doing that job for a couple of years now. He's very much self-supported. He doesn't get any money from the government because he doesn't need it. But he's been living in the house that he's been living in for the past four years. He phoned me on Thursday morning in great distress. And uh, he had just come off night shift. He had gone to bed and he had been awakened about 10 o'clock in the morning by someone from the housing department. And they said to him, you have to get to your house by 6 o'clock tonight, pack everything up and go. And he said, what am I going to do? He said, I can't leave my house in 6 or 7 hours, pack everything up and go. And I asked, well, what was the reason for all this? Uh, was the rent been paid? Oh, yes, the rent was, and it was been paid. There was absolutely no apparent reason as to why he should be going. And I phoned the particular department and uh, suggested that this was quite an unreasonable point of view. They said, well, we'll get him to the morning. I said, well, he can't move during the night because he's working. But here's an example of somebody who has come across hasn't been able to stay in his own country because he's a Christian and he's over here and things appear to be going all right he's got himself a job his wife's here and everything is apparently all right until Thursday morning and for no apparent reason he's just told get up and get out now what is the church's response to that I must say that all of Thursday and Friday was taken up with me trying to, to try and sort the situation out, which is still not sorted out. Managed to, to get people to say, well, he can stay to Monday. But he wants to get a house of his own. He's got a situation where he could possibly now start to look for a mortgage. And he doesn't particularly want to move to another rented accommodation uh, within the particular sector that he was in. But the point I'm making is this that there are people coming into our community who it's cost them a lot to come. They've responded to the gospel. It's cost them basically their lives and their families. This guy has left his mother and father at home, his wife, 
has left her mother and father at home who are ill, and there are all sorts of pressures upon them. And the question we've got to ask ourselves is, well, we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the world today, in many respects, which often has been described as a global village, the world is coming to our doorstep. The question we've got to ask ourselves is, how do we respond to that? Do we say, why are all these people coming in here? And some of them do come for the wrong reasons. I'm not disputing that at all. But there are those who have come and who are brothers and sisters in Christ and who need our help and our encouragement. And as Jesus told his disciples to go, he told them, yes, to go and to share the gospel. But he also told them to go and embody the gospel in their actions and in their attitudes to others. And so as we come this evening, there is a message which comes as a result of a mandate. There's a method to employ in order to share the gospel. That method is to, to preach, to teach, to tell of the love of Jesus Christ, but also to live it out in whatever way we can through the words that we say and the actions of our lives we can be instruments in the hands of God that enables us to fulfill the great commission to go into all the world which may mean starting in our own backyard it may mean not even having to go any further than the borders of our own town in which we live let's pray mm -hmm.